Hello and welcome to Pop Optics Walking Dead podcast. This week we're talking about season six, episode one, first time again, written by Scott M. Gimple and Matthew Negrete and directed by Greg Nicotero. We'll be right back after this. We both started out in the same place. place. You can't come back from this. I know you can. You can. Good people, they always die. I'm a killer, Rick. And you are too. Rick? to the pop optic or i should say welcome for the first time to the pop optic walking dead podcast uh the the new home of formerly the sound on site walking dead podcast uh this is kate Kalsik, tv editor of popoptic.com and i'm joined as ever ever by my wonderful co-host ricky d from uh, editor-in-chief and many other things over at pop optic ricky how's it going what's up kate hello deadheads i'm so excited because that was a kick-ass season premiere and i can't wait to talk about it it's gonna be a lot of fun and joining us this week uh, to help us kick off the season how appropriate we have the the other my, my fabulous cohort and the other editor of the tv section uh Depience and gupta Depayan, welcome to the podcast thank you for having me i look forward to getting to know you all again for the first time yeah it's been it's been uh, a ways away this this the Walking Dead premiere. I, I gotta admit, when when you have um, a commitment associated with a show, uh, whether it's a written review or a podcast or something else that has a deadline and that you need to do, it's hard to get as excited for the return of the show, at least for me, because it's like you can't just enjoy it. You know, you're gonna have to. It, it brings with it work. Um, so I, I, I wasn't hugely looking forward to the start of the season because I knew what would come with it was a lot more work. But I really enjoyed this first episode, and it, it was very energizing for me. And so when I started watching it, I was like, okay, I guess let's let's do this. Let's Here we go, back into the grim world of The Walking Dead. But I think even just in the first moment, I think this premiere does a fabulous job of getting people back into the world and getting us energized about the show. Um, so I think, Ricky, are you on – do we both really like – that, like, never happens. Do we both really like this premiere? Okay, that's not true because we were pretty positive last season. But when it comes to premieres, yeah, you're right. I think this is the first time, except for maybe excluding the pilot, in which we are ecstatic about how well it starts. Because holy shit, we have a lot to talk about. How about you, Depayan? What did you think of this premiere? Oh, I'm I'm on the I'm uh, on the same page as both of you. I really enjoyed this premiere. Uh, surprisingly it didn't feel like it felt like it was an actual focus on characters just which is odd to say considering there were just about a few hundred zombies shambling through the whole episode but it it felt a lot it felt like in a lot of ways that it's uh, the show has been slowly over the last couple of seasons realizing the potential that it should have been realizing in the first and second season instead of spending time on the farm uh, and this, this this episode is actually a great example of of exactly that. You know, it's they're taking the fight to the zombies. They're discussing things out. You understand the character motivations, and when things are going wrong, they're sort of going wrong in an organic fashion. It it I I actually really enjoyed this premiere. 
I think it pretty much has it all because there's there's action there's which is such a important part of this show. There's drama, there's comedy. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, Carol, suburban Carol, uh, with with Morgan in a little bit. Um, but there's also character, and there's also uh, developments and, and surprises here, and the, and then there's also significant forward momentum with the the storyline. They they take a big swing here. They they introduce this giant horde of zombies, um, but then don't turn it into the uh, something we've seen before. This is something new for the show and for these characters. And so to have them take, you know, such a, you know, to show such a clear vision for how the season is going to start and it's clearly going to lead to some significant uh, events and uh, developments soon, right away, I would imagine the next few episodes. But I really think that this premiere comes in, you know, it doesn't just get one thing right. It gets so much right across the spectrum of what the show can offer. You know what's crazy? We're going to have to talk about the action, so let's just do it right now because the opening shot is epic, right? But what I, what I find so shocking about the show is you think that at this point, with five seasons and all the craziness we've seen, we've already witnessed every variation of the undead and every possible cool way they can kill a walker and or a person. And yet, Greg Nicotero and his team, his effects team, his wonderful effects team, continue to find new amazing ways to surprise us. And this entire episode does so much to build these characters and focus on these characters and move the season forward at a fast pace without spending too much time dealing with the aftermath of the last episode. And yet, it finds time to include so much action, so much gore, so much blood... I mean, this is like one of the best episodes of The Walking Dead. I think this is my favorite episode since Clear. And I actually think I like it better than Clear. I think this is the second best episode of The Walking Dead so far. Because it's also an episode in which they find a way to focus on such a huge ensemble cast. Like with Clear, one of the things that made that episode so good was we really only had four characters to focus on, right? In this episode, I think we have 42 characters, if I counted correctly. So... I love how the story unfolds with flashbacks, which I've said how many times, Kate? How many times have I told the Walking Dead writers that they need to include more flashbacks? Here we have an episode which cuts back and forth between past and present. They make a wise decision in putting the flashbacks in black and white, not just as a stylistic choice, but it also is a callback to the actual comic book, which I really appreciated. And yeah, like, Jesus Christ, Greg Nicotero, man, deserves... <laughs> an award or two or three he's a mastermind in creating these special effects and that opening shot i just get like what okay you don't understand like i sat down to watch the walking dead and i was like okay please don't disappoint me like i i, I did not expect it to be great and as soon as we get the opening shot and it's not even the opening shot because technically the opening shot is the last shot of last season when rick shoots pete and then we get that beautiful fade in on a white screen, not a black screen. And then we see the horde of zombies. It's just, it's just all around pitch perfect. Everything from the score, which I got to ask you, Kate, about the score, because the score was incredible and you're the music expert. But everything about the score to the editing, to the way it seamlessly uh, fades in from one scene to the next scene, it was pitch perfect. Well, and you know, Greg Nicotero, we give him so much praise uh, in his work and his position as the the effects supervisor makeup effects uh supervisor but he directs this episode and he deserves praise as a director as well because he does he does a very good job and this is also in the scripting by Gimple and Negrete uh, Negrete uh, one of these days I need to figure out 
know that I'm saying that that uh, that writer's name correctly, but um, it 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 has these two time periods with the device of the black and white, which not only, like you said, it's a callback to the comic books, but also it just looks good. It allows them to do different things with light, and it really works very well. It lets you keep track of everything that's going on. It gives you the information that you need. But also, like you say, the tone, the tonal jumps, uh, when they come up, work really well. The transitions between past and present work very well. Um, and it just putting this episode together, you know, like the editors do and the director did or does, um, it all really comes together here. And I got to say, this is one of the few episodes that I think really earns its extended runtime. And I'm saying of recent TV. I'm not a big fan of this trend of taking um, hour-long shows and making them an hour and 10 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes because usually the show doesn't actually need that time. They just are popular enough now that they can indulge in it. But I think I think every minute of this premiere of this extended premiere is used effectively. What do you what do you think, Depine? I feel like I it feels weird to be so just slathering of praise on this. Well, first of all, let me say I look forward to Kurt Sutter's rant about uh, about your comment on <laughs> episodes not earning their extended runtime the minute this drops. Uh, secondly, I actually you know not having and uh, not actually being familiar with the comics and knowing that they use the black and white, I actually found the black and white flashbacks worked very well thematically for me uh, in that it showed that. Uh, you know, it, it felt like in the flashbacks, everyone was hard set in their viewpoints uh, to the point that they weren't even willing to entertain any other notions that maybe they're wrong or maybe they need to start considering other people's viewpoints. And then in the present day, it, it felt a lot more like everyone was considering everyone else's ideas a lot more. It's, uh, you know, Glenn and Heath were working in tandem, even though they 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 haven't gone on a run together before. And uh Rick and and uh, I, I forget what the guy's name was. The poor guy who got his face bit off. Were actually working together in in a sense, even though they weren't quite seeing eye to eye on whether the plan would work or not. So it felt like in 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 present day, everyone was aware that there were different shades and that they needed to compromise on some things. Whereas in the flashbacks, because and because it was black and white, that that enhanced the idea that everyone was a lot more hard set in their ways and they were willing to do whatever necessary to make sure that they were the winning side, kind of. So are you trying to say that the flashbacks represents the fact that some of these characters only see black and white, but things aren't really black and white? In a sense, yeah. Not not only that not only that they see things in black and white, but they mm. also see things in terms of winning and losing and us versus them in, in like a sense of a people community when what it really should be is us versus them in the sense of people versus zombies. Yeah, I totally agree, but the I think that is also, why it was such a wise decision to reintroduce a character like Morgan, played by the great Lenny James, because he offers Rick a different viewpoint on the world because he has a completely polar opposite viewpoint of how to deal with zombies, with the people in the community. And I think Rick needs someone like Morgan by his side who can actually challenge him. And he has characters like Michonne and Daryl and Carol, but they've really just come to the decision that Rick is the leader and they will follow his lead, even if they sometimes disagree. Like there's one moment in this episode and it goes by so quick, but Daryl tells Rick that we need to get more people into our community. We need to go out there and look for people in order to become stronger. And Rick, I think has a completely different viewpoint. I don't even think he wants to bring in outsiders anymore. And it's funny because in this episode, he says he wants to play it safe from now on. He doesn't want to take any more chances 
And then Morgan's like, well, that's bullshit because you're still taking chances because you put these people at risk because they clearly can't fight zombies. And you know this, but yet you stand there and watch them try to defend themselves against zombies. And I mean, Rick Grimes is still taking a risk no matter what. So he's full of shit. (laughs) Rick actually explicitly says that he's going to tell Deanna to stop sending out expeditions to find other people. So (laughs) so it's not it's not an assumption. He actually doesn't want to do that anymore. Right. Okay. I know. And that's what I'm saying. But, but the thing is, is like, even in this episode, like when he says he doesn't want to take any more chances, just having someone like Gabriel stick around is taking a chance because that's the kind of guy that's going to do something stupid and let it, let in zombies like he did last season. So if he doesn't want to take chances, why doesn't he get rid of Gabriel? Can we just talk, just take a moment to appreciate the delightful beat of when Gabriel says, I want to help. And he says, no, next. No, but we do really need people, guys. Oh, great. That was the best, best moment of the episode. I think in every single episode, it should be a running, continuous gag. Like, every time Gabriel speaks, everyone's like, no, quiet. We don't want to hear it. <laughs> but, um, you know, going back to that theme of the, the black and white versus the color and how that ties into more than just the time period of it, I, what really, what it helps do for me is it helps highlight, you know, when we're in color, when we're in the present, the choices have already been made and everybody's focused on the immediacy of the now and exactly what they need to do when they're deciding, when they're making their choices, that's when it's in black and white. Um, and so having that, having that visual representation of like you're saying to find not just the, uh, the, 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 the time period, but also this theme of choosing between light and dark choosing, you know, with you know, when Rick is holding the gun to, you know, the conspirators head, he needs to make that choice between what he's going to represent, which is this nihilism or this more uh, communal approach, which is something a, a conversation the show keeps coming back to specifically with Rick. But I like the, this development we get with him here. I like that they are still finding new ways, at least in this premiere, to have this conversation and have it um, not get old. So when we have Rick talking with Morgan and saying basically the way that he's grown as a person is now he do- when the guy- he wants to shoot the guy he doesn't shoot the guy because he realizes it doesn't really matter he's going to end up dead no matter what um and-, and so having that different approach to 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 Rick in his headspace and have that inform his decision making process I think uh, was a nice little development and a way to do the Rick and Morgan conflict or the what will become I it seems clear a conflict in their ideologies in a maybe a slightly different way than at least I was expecting. Yeah, and, and the thing about the black and white sequences is it eventually catches up with the color sequences because there is a sequence in which they're overlooking the horde of zombies standing on the cliff, which is in black and white, and later it's in color. So that just reinforces the fact that these people need to work as a team in order to survive because it's really about people versus the zombies. But, of course, no one in the show realizes this because it's really about people versus people. And you talk about the this episode earning the extra 30 minutes of of running time, but it also earns the cliffhanger ending because the whole episode revolves around this plan to move the zombies and shift them towards a different area. Right. And everything is going fine up until the very last two minutes. And I don't think there's anyone who would have ever thought that all of a sudden we would hear some kind of huge horn, which would derail the plans at the very last second. Like, I assume, like, watching the episode, I'm like, okay, something bad's going to happen. Okay, something bad's going to happen. Something's going to go wrong. 
you know, we're almost at the end of the episode. The credits are about to roll. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So it's all going to work out fine. Like, I honestly thought they would make it out without a hitch, like without anything going wrong. And all of a sudden someone blasts a horn. So I thought that was clever and great. It was sort of like a nice, interesting little twist. And uh, I think a cliffhanger, which is earned and I can't wait for the next episode. Well, and I love that they don't, you know, they, they don't give you any indication of what's going on. They keep you in Rick and the rest of the groups who's out there perspective. They don't like hint at, oh, it's a disgruntled, it, like it, there are many things it could be and we can speculate on that, but it could just yeah. as easily be like the wolves have gotten in over at Alexandria or it could be um, Ron is upset and is acting out. Like it could be a lot of different things. And, mm-hmm. and I like that they keep you the they very the script and the, the performances and the direction the editing keeps you very focused on the present because there's a giant horde of zombies so you know that's a little interesting um so that when that because there's so much that could go wrong with the just the execution of the plan you're just kind of waiting to figure out who's going to be the person who screws up that and, and makes this into all of a sudden a, a much more dangerous situation than it already is and we think we get that when and again, I I should know the actor's name and I should know the character's name because I've I've enjoyed his work in many other similar character roles. But um, when our conspirator, uh, when he, when he gets bit, you think, oh, this is what's gonna set everything. But they resolve that. It's a false lead. It's a red herring. And and so by having us so focused on how is the plan gonna go wrong when the plan doesn't go wrong at all, it lets us be that much more surprised and that much more uh engaged with that cliffhanger ending and of course just having that horn continue over the credits like or as into the credits as we go into black i think also works very well what did you think about the cliffhanger to yes i actually did enjoy the cliffhanger a lot and uh my my theory is that it's gabriel because gabriel is just the worst and mucks up everything um, <laughs> it didn't even occur to me but i love that yeah so there we go Perfect. So that's the running theory from now on. Agreed. Okay. Um, no, I actually, I actually did enjoy it. I'm, I'm in the same boat as all of you. Uh, and I think credit for that goes to Nicotero, the director, for being able to keep that kind of tension going the whole way and showing how the whole group is just basically going through by the skin of their teeth, whether it's at the, uh, at the crossing of Reading and Churchill and where all the zombies are bouncing against the fence, or whether it's Ford just running out of the car and attracting the zombies with aluminum foil, it looked like. Uh, but no, Nicotero does keep the tension going through the whole episode so that there's never a, there's never any point where I actually thought the plan will succeed without a hitch. But at the same time that when that when that last horn just blasts through the air, uh, you know, it, it just comes as such a it just comes as such a shock that this you know, the best laid plans, uh, you know, despite them being able to pull this off just almost just this one thing that they couldn't see coming just absolutely derailed everything. I, I, I greatly did enjoy that myself, too. Well, I'm pretty also... sure that was uh, that that uh, shiny thing. I, I, that looked to me like the, the thing they give, like, runners at the end of marathons that, is, like, it's a heat. You know, it's like, it's like a, it reflects the sun or whatever, and, can, and it's, like for, it's like a blanket kind of thing, but it's very thin and it's very shiny. That's what I was thinking that that was. Um, who knows? But I think it's, like, one of those things that they tell you to keep in your car because it doesn't take as much space as a blanket. Um, anyways, for those who are yeah. curious. So so the thing I want to quickly say before I forget is like I was I was reading somewhere online where the person was complaining about the idea of leading a herd of zombies, like thousands of zombies for miles is like stupid. They could just blow up the zombies. And I'm like, okay, but the thing is you gotta understand that this is a show called The Walking Dead about a zombie apocalypse, and they do want to find ways to 
to give us some horrific scenes. But at the same time, it's supposed to be like a metaphor. And so you have these people who are leading a herd of zombies in where they think these zombies need to go. But that's just an underlining theme of the entire episode. I mean, the episode's called First Time Again. Everything, like everything about the visual motifs and what it, what the zombies actually represent in this episode is what I think makes the show so amazing at times. And then the final shot, when we do hear the horns and Michonne realizes that the sound is coming from Alexandria, and then you get this beautiful shot in which the camera the camera moves upwards and you get this beautiful bird's eye view of the zombies and you start to see them slowly change direction. Like it's just pitch perfect. I, I love it. I also like the fact that they introduce some new characters, including some favorites from the comic book. And I, I'm sorry, but I love this new character. Heath. like just the introduction of him. when He meets um, Eugene for the very first time. <laughs> and Eugene <laughs> is so awkward and odd. He's like, I like your hair. Like, and like, like, I was like, what? And he just like, he looks at Eugene. He's like, he's totally confused because he's not entirely sure if Eugene's just like weird and or if it's just some kind of inside joke. You know what I mean? He doesn't know what to make of Eugene, but I like his introduction. And I like how when he meets Eugene, it's not this big overblown scene in which people are fighting because they don't trust the other person, you know, like which we've seen a million times in the past. It's just kind of like, oh, OK, I'm going to let you in because you seem cool. Whereas in the past, it would have been like Rick and someone butting heads and they don't trust the person. So should we let them in? Let's have this big town meeting about it. I, I know he already lives there, but just the way that they handled it, it was quick to the point and yet had a touch of humor. And this, this episode had a lot of comedy, a lot of dark comedy at moments. And I'm actually watching the episode right now in the background. And right now we have the scene in which Daryl is riding on his motorcycle and you see the thousands of zombies in the background. That's like one of the greatest images of The Walking Dead so far, period. <laughs> well, I'm going to jump back quickly to um, that comment about why don't they just blow up the quarry. couple things. First of all, they aren't demolitions experts. That can go wrong very easily in a lot of ways. Second of all, these, the way that you kill zombies is by uh, destroying the brain. So, yeah, they, they're, whoever's ever at the center of the core of the blast would get like pulverized or whatever, but there's a lot of them that it would just like not just do, you know, not do the right kind of damage. And then all of a sudden you've got a crater and it's going to be easier. You will have destroyed your, your funnel that's kept it to just a trickle. And then you'll have a bunch more, more of them out there, or maybe you'll collapse the quarry in the wrong way and you'll all get trapped in the rubble. Like I, I don't, I, I can see where, because that was the initial thought I had is like, oh, good, they're all in one place. They can just like destroy that place. But that's that that does that seems like an easy easy answer. But there are too many variables. I, I know, but Kate, I was just bringing up an example just to kind of say that the the idea behind the, them leading the zombies is a visual metaphor. I mean, we can sit here and think of a million different things that they can do. I just brought up that example. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm agreeing to, with you. I just think I know, it's I know, even more have, than that. <laughs> We don't have to explain to people on the internet why all of these ideas don't make sense because we'll be here for an hour. So can I, I can actually... we talk Heath? Yeah. Let's talk Heath because I didn't even know that this was a character from the comics. I've not read the comics, uh, as our listeners, uh, longer-term listeners will know, which reminds me it's too late now, but there will be no comic spoilers. There will be no uh, spoilers for anything yet to come in the series, in this podcast. If you've gotten this far, hopefully you're not too concerned about it. But... Um, 
I, I found that out when I was reading the review at, at our website by Felix, uh, who was talking about how this is a fan favorite character. But I can immediately see, I think they did a good job with the casting. Just the rapport between the different cast members immediately seems very comfortable. And I think that will work well. Um, also, just you'd mentioned that hair comment. It's nice to, to watch. You know, I think it, they've done a good job of keeping, um, just integrating these new cast members at a, reasonable enough like instead of throwing a bunch of them all together in in this premiere there's just a handful of new people um and and so by having there be these different teams that are away from alexandria that could theoretically be coming back like we get here um that lets them you know add more people in and shake up the dynamics without it feeling too forced and uh, with them no longer bringing in new people to alexandria theoretically I don't know if they'll be able to maintain that, but I think they do a good job with it here. And uh, and again, having new people, for example, Eugene to be awkward with is always going to be a good thing in my book. It also helps that you cast Curry Hawkins, who's a fantastic actor. And if you feel like you recognize him but don't know why, he was Dr. Dre in Straight Outta Compton. Ah, I, have n I have not seen that one, oh, but okay. yes, <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah, add add me to the to the uh, you know to the bandwagon of people who really liked Heath. Uh, I I loved that he had this sort of no nonsense approach to things, just like Ricky mentioned. Uh, there was no big fight. He was just like, oh okay, there's a new guy guarding the gate. Yeah, we live here. Let us in. And uh, especially when he was working with Glenn, uh, he he both expressed his uh, concerns about the plans, like both both versions of the plan, the one with the door and the one with shooting out the windows. But when push came to shove, he was ready to, you know, he was ready to take action. And if, if that's the way he's going to be through the show's entire run, then I could see him becoming a fan favorite very quickly because he's not a pushover, but at the same time, he's not unnecessarily antagonistic. Yeah. So, so yeah, I really enjoyed him as well. I also really like what they're doing or what they seem to be doing with Nicholas. Uh, and after last season, I wouldn't have thought that they would take the effort to to kind of resuscitate that character and 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 uh, you know show him within the community. It just seemed like he was going to be villain dude now. Um, but this is so much more interesting. What do you guys think about that? Well, it's because we also get the conversation between Tara and um... Maggie. <laughs> Maggie, yes. Um, and you know, like she clearly tells. T Tara like what Nicholas did and she's like okay now if you want to you know inform Deanna about his actions so they could exile him it's up to you but you know he's going to die if we do this but she brings up a good point that at one point in time Tara was sort of in the same boat as Nicholas I mean she didn't try to like kill someone but the, the idea that you do need to take people in you do need to sort of trust people and give them a second chance because you have like 10,000 zombies in your backyard and you are a community of like maybe 42 people. You're going to need all the help you can get and you're going to have to find ways to turn people around. And the thing about Nicholas is he's no different than most of the people living in Alexandria. Like he, he was just scared shitless and he's still scared shitless. And that's why Rick is totally right when he tells Deanna and the people over and over and over again that he needs to train these people like regardless if they want want it or not they need to learn how to handle a gun and how to kill a zombie and I also love the exchange between um, Rick and Ron and then later between Rick and Ron's mom because it's just like the way she talks to Rick like he doesn't get it like Jesse I'm talking about like she's like no Rick you don't understand you cannot talk to him you cannot put your hands on him you cannot tell him what to do and he doesn't get it it's like dude you shot his dad in the head no matter yeah. what you say to this kid 
He's never going to like you. He's never going to trust you, even if you're in the right. And he doesn't get it. And Jesse's just trying to explain it to him. And it's like, this is the thing about Rick Grimes. It's like, I think right now he is only seeing black and white. And, and that's what I wanted to ask you, Kay. Like, what do you think about Rick Grimes right now, presently, like mentally, the way he's leading the group? Is he actually a danger to the people? Like, we know he's... We know that Rick Grimes is essential and important, and they they need him to survive. I mean, it was his entire plan of how to guide these zombies away from from the uh, the giant pit. I don't know what you call it, but at the same time, is he a danger to these people? I mean, I, as he's presented here, I think no. But this this also feels like a much more stable and together Rick than we saw at the end of the last season. So I was curious if if that felt consistent to you guys, or more like a. Uh, let's turn that down a little bit so we can reset and explore these other ideas. Um, so what we get here feels, you know, I think he's very rational. He he does a good job of um, supporting what he's saying um, and really mapping out for people why they should listen to him as opposed to just um, getting frustrated with their lack of trust in someone that has proved himself, uh, you know, as Rick feels he has. Uh, so I, th I think he's very accessible here and, you know, like the show wants us to be on his side, so they make sure to present him in a way that is more uh, acceptable to us and, and more uh, inviting. Hmm. You think the show wants us to be on his side completely fully? Because I think the whole season's leading up to a showdown between Morgan and Rick Grimes. And Morgan's the character that we clearly like more. If it comes to a showdown between Rick Grimes and Morgan, I'm, I'm going for Mo Morgan. I'm cheering for Morgan. Yeah, but they want us to start the season with them on equal footing, where they where they have a difference of opinion, but you both can be both opinions, both uh, stances can be supported, and it can be a debate of equals. And then, I, what I would expect if this is where the season is headed is to see um, a, a loss of the the moral high ground, or like just of, of standing between them as we get go through the season. The more interesting thing would be if they manage to support both and have them be equally valid hmm. uh, equally valid philosophy instead of decisions through the season but i think they wanted us to start off at the point where you can see where both of them are coming from if they had wanted us to be more team morgan i think they could have chosen like some different angles they could have had like differences of performance um uh, like when he's holding the gun to the the <laughs> unnamed citizen's head like that carter like, Oh yes, Carter's. Thank you, Carter's head. Um, that that could have been a much angrier, a much uh, there could have been like a glint and he, almost like a governor like smile, in, you know, in his eyes and in the performance that isn't there. So I think that's that's sort of how I read it. Um, what do you think about this, Depayan? Well, it's funny because I actually want to ask Depayan too how he feels about Rick Grimes in this episode because I think that while Carter is the the only person in the episode who's vocal about how he disagrees with Rick Grimes and clearly he wants to kill him. I think there's not one person in this episode that fully trusts Rick Grimes. I mean, there's this spectacular shot in which every single person is sitting in the living room and he's telling them what his master plan is. And the whole thing is beautiful. It looks like this beautiful family portrait, right? And you, ha you have like shots of, say, for example, Deanna and her back is turned towards Rick Grimes. We get this beautiful close up of her and we see Rick Grimes in the background. And while people are willing to help and they will follow his lead i don't think that there's anyone in this episode that fully trusts him like for example when he actually does kill carter michonne and uh and morgan are a little suspicious about it like like did he did he want it? like because they knew he wanted them dead and even though we had that sequence that uh, when when he's sitting on the porch with morgan and michonne overhears what rick says and he's like you know i wanted to kill him but what's the point because he's gonna die 
regardless. I just kind of feel like nobody really fully trusts Rick Grimes. And again, going back to the conversation, which was like, you know, a, a mere 30 seconds, but speaks volumes about he, how even Daryl is questioning Rick Grimes. Cause I feel like Rick Grimes is reckless and bitter and, and he's proven a loose cannon way too often. I, I see the difference between Rick and Morgan's philosophies. Um, this episode is sort of uh, maybe broadly speaking, kind of a difference in parenting styles, whereas Rick sort of wants to uh, throw everyone in Alexandria into the deep end in a way, just, uh, you know, have them stand outside with shovels and pickaxes and fight the zombies one by one until they learn how to kill them. Whereas Morgan is, is more wants to ease them in, into this. I think Rick is a little perhaps frustrated with the idea that Alexandria frustrated and maybe jealous, which is something I got at the end of last season too, that maybe he's a little jealous that everyone in Alexandria has been able to more or less be insulated from the horrors of the zombie apocalypse, whereas he has to, he has had to wade through it firsthand. You know, he's had to lose his wife to it. He's had to, um, you know, he's, he's been forced to shoot his best friend and so on and so on. Um, but I feel like Rick, uh, you know, his, his ideas are sound in the sense that, He's right that they need to train everybody, and nobody disagrees with that. Um, it's his execution that's a little off, and it'll depend entirely on whether he's willing to listen to other people about um, whether or not he needs to change his execution as to whether or not he's going to, uh, you know, whether he's going to end up as someone worth looking up to at the end of the season, or if he's just going to end up as, uh, you know, more more villainous than. I don't know if villainous is the right word, but more oh, I down. Think it is. I think it is. I think you're right. I think Rick Grimes at this point is on is is standing on the edge in which if he just takes one step to the left, he will be the villain of season six. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen, though. That's so boring to me. What do you I, I just I feel like they've toyed with that so much. And maybe it's just because they did such a shoddy job with the governor. And that mm-hmm. is the easiest parallel that as soon as they start to be going down that directly more villainous and power hungry route, I get bored. Well, that's the thing about The Walking Dead. Rick is sane. Rick loses control. Rick is sane. Rick regains control. Rinse and repeat. And so that push and pull is something we've seen over and over again. And and judging by the commercials, I don't know if you saw any of the trailers, it just seems like the whole entire season is going to be Rick Grimes versus Morgan. And judging by this first episode, and also, clearly it's not his fault that someone decided to sound off some alarm and there's like these like horns in the, in the distance, which of course sends the zombies towards Alexandria. Clearly that's not his fault. But this is still his plan. And if his plan goes wrong, everyone's going to look to him because he's the leader and it's his fault. I think a lot of it does come back to that conversation we see Rick have with Jesse or or it could. Um, And and I do think that's a good kind of keystone for where we may be headed this season. And also just where, where Rick is at on the show right now as the leader that this is yes this is what i think most people watching would agree that this the alexandrians need to be told and they need to understand and and accept as, as the realities of their situation that they're very very lucky it's just a fluke that they happen to be near a quarry that they aren't all dead um but that doesn't mean that rick can be the one to tell them or that rick knows the right way to tell them so, to to be useful and to be helpful and to get the desired outcome um so so Morgan, I, I think, would mostly agree with Rick's decisions and his approach uh, as far as, like, we need this is something we need to handle, we need to take care of, we can't just hope that the, the, the zombies don't get out of this quarry, we need to be proactive about it. I think Morgan would agree, but the way he would 
talk to the group about it, the way that he would formulate his plan and, you know, who he would put in various points of, of authority within that. But, you know, I don't know if he would have sent, he, he might not have sent Carter by himself. He might not have thought he could handle it. Um, but I do think he would have made many of the same decisions. So looking at how these two men who do, who are both survivors and who do agree about many elements of the practicalities of this universe, uh, watching them debate over the season, I think, could be really interesting. Well, listen, if the first episode boils down to a war of philosophies between Rick and Morgan, who I think have been front and center of the marketing of the show, then the entire season is going to be structured around their different philosophies. And the, the big difference between Morgan and, and Rick Grimes is that Morgan has a very peaceful live and let live approach to the zombie apocalypse. Whereas Rick Grimes at this point in time is going to do everything in his power and kill anyone who's standing in his way. I mean, he's kind of no different than some of the villains we've seen in the past at this point. It's very easy for Morgan to have that philosophy when he spent the zombie apocalypse by himself. Yeah, I agreed. I think the prob I think the main problem I'm seeing with Rick right now is that even though his ideas are sound, he knows he can't trust the Alexandria people, but he's not trusting any of the any of the other group that he came in with either. And that if if anything's going to be Rick's downfall, that's going to be it. Uh, you know, just because he doesn't trust Alexandria people doesn't mean that when Daryl says that I think we should still go out there that he shouldn't listen to Daryl because he should know as well as anyone else that Daryl also understands the dangers of the zombie apocalypse. So I, I think, uh, you know, the battle of philosophies will ultimately come down to um, Rick not trusting anybody and Morgan being able to trust the people that Rick worked with. I, I think Rick Grimes clearly trusts everyone in his initial core group, which he walked into Alexandria with. I think the thing is, he's just not listening to anybody. He's got a really big eagle right now. I mean, there's one scene in this episode where he flips out on Carter and he's like, do you know who you're talking to? Like he's a mm -hmm. god or something. But he, he does trust Daryl and Carol and everyone. He's just not listening to anybody at this point in time. Now, unfortunately, we do have a very, uh, because of when we're recording, we do have a very strict timeline. So we are we are almost out of time here this week. We will, I'm sure, talk. We will have a longer episode next week. Listeners, don't worry. But I wanted to get from everyone any final thoughts on the episode or things we haven't mentioned, favorite scenes, favorite moments. So, Depayan, anything else come to mind? Uh, well, the only thing that comes to mind for me is... Uh... I was watching the horde of zombies and I just thought of some excited young actor or actress getting a call from their agent that they want you to be on the walking dead. Great. What part do I play? Zombie number 436. Oh, God damn it. From my understanding, the zombies are non-paid extras. That's what I was told. I was well, told like wherever it is. Extras are paid, film. but yeah. Okay. Usually. I was, I was told they actually just volunteer. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Usually, well, usually there's like a base, thing for well, extras but i don't know i, I, I i'll I, have to look into it i think the walking dead can afford to pay ten thousand extras like 20 bucks an hour <laughs> 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 um yeah i i i mean highlights the whole entire episode is a highlight i think my highlight is watching daryl just drive slowly on his motorcycle and there's a thousand zombies following behind them i also like the fact that nicholas actually becomes useful and this is the thing about this episode each and every single second of this episode is is used to advance the plot and the characters. Like there's not a wasted moment. And take, for example, a simple scene in which Morgan, Michonne, and Rick are standing on the road and they are just waiting. And what do we get? We get this beautiful exchange between Morgan and Michonne and Morgan's like, did you take my last candy wire? And it's so funny. And it, it's a callback to Clear, one of the best episodes ever. 
And that added humor does so much to liven up that scene. So the thing about this episode is it's pitch perfect. Everything from the special effects to the direction to the music and the music, by the way, the music is amazing in this episode. It's There's not a wasted moment and we need more episodes like this. I can't wait for next week. And I, I think that it's going to be a new group of villains who have who, who set the alarm off and they're the reason why there's this big loud horn and the zombies are headed towards Alexandria, but we shall see next week. We shall see. Um, I'll just quickly note, I really like the interaction we get with Glenn and Maggie that very briefly on the couch, the way that was filmed also is very uh, interesting, but that is promising to me that we will maybe get some interesting stuff with the, them this season, as opposed to just more of the same that we've gotten the last season and a half. I also really liked the exchange with, uh, with Abraham and Sasha in the car and the promise of maybe something new for Sasha, new, um, like that she's at a different place than she was last. Because watching very angry Sasha or, or um, working through her issues, Sasha, was really interesting and really fun last season. But I would like to think that maybe they're going to give her something new to play this season. So that could be very promising to me as well. And again, just that they take the time for brief little exchanges between all these different characters is uh, is and that they all land, I should say really was very promising for me in this episode. But that wraps up our conversation about First Time Again. Next week, we'll be back to talk about episode two of the season, JSS, uh, written by Seth Hoffman and directed by Jennifer Lynch. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure we will have plenty more to say about the horn and what all is coming up next. But for now, Depine, thank you so much for coming on. Where can our listeners find you and your work online? Uh, you can find me in pop on Pop Optic, uh, mostly in the TV section, where this uh, season I am uh, reviewing The Affair and iZombie, uh, another zombie show, uh, and as well as on Twitter at Dean Epay. And you can find Ricky and myself at popoptic.com, uh, on Twitter for Ricky at Pop Optic, and I'm at The Televerse. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast. Thank you for listening. People in here, they've been inside from the start. They haven't had to survive. And they just don't get it. They can't. I don't take chances anymore. And you shouldn't. Listen. We'll make this work. Keep this place safe. Help us! Keep our families safe. So we're all supposed to just fall in line behind you. We're doing this now! We're not ready! We're now! How many more of us have to die before we do something? Rick is dangerous. These people, they gotta take care of themselves. Feel different about it? Yeah, I do. I know, Rick. I can stop you. We have to. People are scared. You should keep an eye on her. She's in charge. But you're in charge now. When I was a child, I heard isn't what you thought it was. You don't know where you are anymore. But you still know your way. You soon find you have few choices. This is what life
life looks like now. We have to fight it. Because if we don't, we die. They're coming. He's been out there. He's faced it. We are going to trust him. All of us. Choosing this life, you will die. Gotta keep moving! You get the hell out of here and you don't ever come back. You really think you're gonna take this community from us? From Daryl? From Michelle? From Glenn? From me? Don't do it, man! We're coming! Do you have any idea who you're talking to? Here's the deal. You don't say shit, and I don't kill you. I know you think I am.